I wanted to do an advert for Anchor. This is the app that I'm actually using to do every episode of Analogy of the Sun. It's super freaking easy. Uh, it's also free. So couldn't get any better than that. If I can use this and I'm able to like put stuff on Spotify and all that, then you definitely can. If you've ever thought of just having a podcast for fun, like what I'm doing, then I would definitely suggest that you download Anchor now and they actually will upload it to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and things of that nature or those type of apps for you. Again, it's completely free. There's no minimum listenership that you have to have. Everything you need in one place to make a podcast. It is amazing. So if you've ever thought about having a podcast at all, just for fun, or possibly to add to your work or your business, then please go ahead and download Anchor today. Hey guys, it's Jenny. Thank you for joining the Analogy of the Sun podcast. This is the first episode of the second season. This is going to start my serial killer series. I'm going to probably do about three different killers. And these are going to be killers that not a lot of people know about and not has been said on them a lot. And I'm really wanting to bring these, these killers to the forefront for a purpose. There's a reason behind that. This is going to be the first episode out of a two-part series done about Sean Great. This is a reasonably new killer. He actually was convicted in 2019. So all of this is extremely current. So I kind of want to just dive in with him because it's a very interesting story and there's a lot to tell. So I just want to start with, um, he was born in August of 1976 and his parents actually got divorced around the time when he was six. But what's weird is that 12 years later, um, his mother would actually give full custody of him and his older brother, Ronald, to their father. Probably not so strange because he's almost 18 at this point. And this is about where a lot of, at least what's documented, because there's not a lot of books written about him or anything right now. And a lot of my sources are just news articles from newspapers from around the area that he was born in Ohio. Except for one source I had. It's a podcast and they're so funny. It's called The Brothers Commonplace. They talked about him. and It's a good 90 minute episode, but it's three guys just talking. It's just me talking at you. So it might have to be a little bit shorter. And they had a lot of information on him. They really did a huge deep dive. So I would definitely go over there and check out their podcast. They're funny. They talk about true crime. It's great. Other than my other podcast, which I love, is the last podcast on the left, which is also three guys. So maybe that's a really good, I don't know, maybe that's a really good number for a podcast. I have three people. But I would definitely go check them out. They're hilarious. So she gave up custody almost around the time he was 18. And his mother doesn't has not really talked that much about all of this. She's only given one interview. And even after that interview, she said she'd be done. She doesn't want to talk about him anymore. And I can't say I blame her. It's probably really hard to have a serial killer as a son. I mean, look at, you know, Ted Bundy's mother and how, how much that just killed her. And, you know, she did have a relationship with, I believe, one or two of the mothers of his victims, which is kind of great that they could. It's not great, but it's, it's good that they had someone to kind of talk to because I'm sure there aren't any support groups on this topic. So his mother actually talked to a UK, UK publication, the Daily Mail, which a lot of people know. 
And in her interview, she said, yes, he's good looking, but the devil's good looking too. He ain't got red horns or nothing, but you find he's charming. And of course, that charm can charm the pants off anybody. Which the brothers commonplace kind of mentioned that. This is a really weird thing to say about your son. <laughs> that he could charm the pants off anybody. Like, okay, that's... I get what you're... I get your point, but... It's kind of a weird thing to say about your kid. So... Everything really starts for him. And again, this is... He was born in Marin, Ohio. It's all taking place around this, this area. Everything really starts for him. His first arrest was in high school. It was in 1994. And he actually got arrested for trying to beat up his girlfriend at the time. She was trying to break up with him and she'd been trying to do this apparently for several months and none of it, none of it took. And so this is the one time she was done. She was going to break up with him and he got arrested for assault because he grabbed her by the throat and he was arrested. He wouldn't do much time for that. So he actually got out early. And then he graduated high school <laughs> in 95, which really good start. Good job, loser. At least you graduated high school, I guess. So then, I mean, it kind of goes for a couple years. You don't hear anything from him. So I'm going to say this a couple times. There's just not a lot of information about this man yet. So it's kind of hard to do a really deep dive into someone when it's just the shit's not there. You know, the shit's not there. But when he was 23... He actually got a pregnant, she got a 17-year-old, excuse me, a 17-year-old girl pregnant, which, again, choices. What the fuck? This man is not good with life choices, obviously. So he actually broke into the house that he, she was living with with her parents, because obviously she's 17 years old, and choked her, tried to choke her out, and threatened to kill her. And obviously the child in tow, because she was pregnant. She was two months pregnant at the time, but still, she's pregnant. You knew she was pregnant. She's pregnant. But then for this, he would spend less than 12 months in jail. And her parents really tried to get a protective order or a restraining order against him. And then come to find out, you know, several months later, she fought to get that taken off. She fought to get that um, taken down just because she was young. I mean, honestly, I can't blame her for that. She's 17. She's pregnant with his child. I'm sure he sweet talked her. You know how these people are. So all of that happened. And then eight months later, this is eight months later, he decided to try and hurt her again. He actually, and this is what, this is the thing that's in this episode. This is the thing that's really like, holy shit. You know, there'll be another holy shit moment later, but this one. So she was out with her sister they come in the house and he jumps out of the couch with a butcher knife this motherfucker had been waiting in the couch for four hours four hours in a couch not a closet not a room not under the bed the couch the couch so it had to have been like a pullout or something right like how is there room for someone to be in your couch um that's some btk type shit though because btk also he had waited. I think there's one actual instance of him waiting in someone's house for like five to six hours for them to come home. I mean, that's, that's psycho to a whole new level, ladies, total psycho. So he came out on the couch with a butcher knife. He tried to attack her and her sister. 
and he ended up cutting her a couple times and he ended up getting a couple, you know, defensive wounds as our, he ended up getting hurt too. And she was, had defensive wounds. And so when the cops got there, when they were in inter- and then the, the cops were later interviewed, they said that he was saying, you know, shut the fuck up. He's the one in control. And if anyone comes up to the door or if anyone knocks, he's going to make sure that there's nobody in the house to answer the door. Period. Period. End of story. So for the whole knife assault, he ended up going back to prison for four years and he was released in 2003. So just to do a little, another little backstory on this man, all of his friends said he was a great guy. Like he was, you know, the person that you would go to for a shoulder to cry on. He was just, you know, he would do anything for anyone, give anyone the shirt off their back. He even attended a Halloween party one year and dressed as a woman to make everybody laugh. Like he really was a good person, they thought. And so that just kind of breaks down the whole psychology of a sociopath, right? Someone who is to their friends is caring, understanding, loving, compassionate, so-called, you know, so, so-called compassionate. But to women and the women he's with, he is a fucking monster. So that's very, that's very telling right there, right? That he's very, very crazy. So he gets out in 2003, 2003, and he starts living in a home with no electricity. Uh, He actually had had to have an extension cord going somewhere else to get the electricity. He was going to the bathroom in buckets around the house. So apparently what, one thing though, is he was incredibly lazy. He did not want to work. He did not want to do anything. He mooched off people. That was one thing that his friends did say that they did not enjoy about his presence is that he just didn't want to work. He would go from couch to couch. He always owed people money. So he, they didn't like that part of it. So I'm going to stop here with him, but I want to end this on a 911 call from a woman that he actually held captive. So 2003 is essentially where a lot of the horribleness starts. So I want to start the end this episode with the 911 call and the next episode I do here in a couple of days on him, we'll start back up with this. Which way is it? You're looking in the laundry mat, on the left of the two. You don't know what color the house is? 
That's we're going to leave it right now. We're going to pick back up with the rest of that 911 call and I'll get more into the rest of his life. It's a little short episode. I just want to kind of get everything going and then we'll really deep dive in next episode. Thanks guys.